Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the Word of God. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. You're completely reliable, absolutely dependable. We know that we can rely on you. We've seen your goodness before. We've seen your faithfulness before. We believe we will see your goodness again. We'll see your faithfulness again. We put our trust in you. As we turn to your word, Lord, I pray that you will speak to us individually and corporately. I pray that your word will shape us and make us the people you want us to be. Your church in our day that is leading the transformation of cities and nations for your praise and for your glory. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen and Amen. Will you help me open in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14? 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Over the last eight weeks, we've been journeying through the book of 1 Corinthians. It is a letter that Paul the Apostle wrote to the church in Corinth, responding to issues that had been raised to him, problem areas in the church. They needed wisdom and guidance, and so Paul writes to them as their apostle, the one that planted the church, that preached the gospel to them. And he brings to them godly wisdom and counsel, addressing the issues. And as we have journeyed through the letter of 1 Corinthians, it is so clear that the issues in the church then are still the issues in the church today. And so the wisdom that Paul the apostle brings is relevant for our day today. Now, if you go back to our Toto app or to our YouTube channel, you'll find all of these messages. And I want you to go over them again and again so that these principles can settle in your heart. They will change the way that you live. Last week, we looked at chapters 12 and 13. It was clear to us. The Bible reminds us that the Holy Spirit has given us spiritual gifts for the purpose of service. In chapter 1, Paul commends the church in Corinth and he says to them that they do not even lack in spiritual gifts. They were a church upon whom the Holy Spirit had come and the gifts were active in the lives of believers. It was a Pentecostal church just as we are today. And so he commends them. He says, man, you're not lacking in spiritual gifts. We took time to understand what spiritual gifts are. Spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities that the Holy Spirit gives to those who are born again for the purpose of building up the body of Christ and reaching people who are far from Jesus. We all have natural gifts. You have gifts. You have talents. Every single one of us has one. But spiritual gifts are different. They are given by Holy Spirit. Only to those who are born again. Because you can only receive the Spirit of God when you are born again. And he releases these gifts into our lives so that we can be a blessing to those around us. We learned that spiritual gifts are given for our common good so that we may be a blessing to one another. And they must be used in unity. Chapter 12, Paul talks about the body. Every body part needs the other. We must use our gifts in unity. 
and our gifts and their usage must be rooted in love. And so he says, love is the most excellent way. And although they knew all of these things, there was a problem that Paul wanted to address. So in chapters 12, 13, and 14, it is so clear that this church, heavily gifted by the Holy Spirit, hadn't understood the purpose of these gifts. They wrongly misused them. There was abuse of these gifts. In fact, it was so bad that the usage of the spiritual gifts caused more harm than good. There were already a divided church, some following Paul, Apollos, Peter, Jesus. And now already with that level of division, they began to divide the church further through competition in the usage of their spiritual gifts. They began to compare themselves one to another, some behaving as if they were spiritually superior to others because they were gifted in a certain way. I mean, this father divided the church and Paul had to address this issue. The division that was in the church then is still in the church today. Some churches treat other churches like they're not good enough, like they're not deep enough, like they're not spiritual enough. What Paul writes in chapter 14 is relevant for you and I today. So not only does he teach us in chapters 12 and 13 that we are gifted for service, in chapter 14 he teaches us that we are gifted to build up. Everyone say build up. A little louder, everyone say build up. Paul is teaching us in 1 Corinthians 14 that we are gifted to build up others. In chapter 14, Paul encourages the believers to honestly desire spiritual gifts. But he then goes ahead to place an emphasis on the purpose of why we are given these spiritual gifts. And he clarifies the place of prophecy and tongues. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to read from verse 1 to 4, and then we'll read verse 12 after that. He writes, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, in other words, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit to be active in your lives, Strive to excel in building up the church. Strive to excel in building up the church. Paul starts by laying down this principle. Why does God gift us in this way by the power of his Holy Spirit? Why does God give us the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And he states it very clearly. The purpose of these spiritual gifts is to build up the church. 
Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus is passionate about building his people so that we can be a strong church in our day that is bringing the message of the gospel of hope and healing through Jesus Christ, salvation in Jesus Christ alone to the cities and nations. He's passionate about building us to be that strong church. And one of the things he does is he gives us the gifts of the Spirit. They make us more effective witnesses for Jesus. And he says the purpose they are given is to build up the church. So when Paul says build up, what does he really mean? He means two things. Number one, to build up means to promote the spiritual growth of believers. Paul is saying in the exercise of your spiritual gifts, in the use of your spiritual gifts, people must Grow in their relationship with the Lord. In other words, do not use your spiritual gifts in a way that distracts them away from Jesus. Don't draw attention to yourself. Point all the attention to Jesus. When God gives you a word of prophecy, it must point people to Jesus. Is the usage of our gifts today helping people fall more in love with Jesus? Is the use of our gifts today Making Jesus beautiful and people chasing after him? Have we become more rooted in Jesus Christ by the way we use our spiritual gifts? He says the purpose for our spiritual gifts is to promote the spiritual growth of believers. Our relationship with Jesus must deepen because of the gifts we're given. Secondly, to build up means to promote or to bring about character formation, development of believers. In other words, the use of our spiritual gifts must make the church of Jesus Christ more Christ-like. It must make us more like Jesus. Paul was addressing a real issue in his day. He's saying in the usage of your spiritual gifts, there is competition, there is comparison, there is pride, there is jealousy, there is hatred, there is bickering. The usage of their spiritual gifts was not making them more like Christ. In fact, it was making them more like the world. Is it true that in the body of Christ today, we still find competition? We still find comparison. Is the way we are using our spiritual gifts making us more like Jesus? Is the character of Christ coming through the way we exercise our gifts? That is why Paul emphasizes in chapter 13 that love is the most excellent way. Our use of spiritual gifts must be rooted in love. And what does the Bible say? God is love. So the purpose of these spiritual gifts is to bring about spiritual growth and to make us more like Christ. Now to help us appreciate the purpose of these gifts, let us have a basic understanding of what they are and how they operate. The spiritual gifts fall in three categories. Write these down. Number one, revelatory gifts. Secondly, power gifts. Number three, vocal gifts. Let's go through each. Revelatory gifts are, those, are the category of gifts by which Holy Spirit makes known to us 
what we didn't know and that we will never know, humanly speaking. The gift of the discerning of spirits. Here, Holy Spirit supernaturally allows an individual to identify and to distinguish between the working of the Holy Spirit and between demonic, satanic spirits or a human spirit. Because there are people that can pretend and you think it is the work of the Holy Spirit, yet they're just being dramatic and emotional. The discerning of spirits will help you know this is the work of Christ. This is not the work of Christ. The word of knowledge is one of the revelatory gifts. Holy Spirit enables an individual believer to supernaturally receive information or facts about situations or people that they would never know, humanly speaking. He gives you facts. It is absolutely amazing when someone by the leading of the Holy Spirit will walk up to you with specific knowledge about you. It allows you to connect and say, wow, Lord, speak to me. The word of wisdom. Holy Spirit gives supernatural insight and understanding to situations, to individuals so that they know which direction they should go. We are all battling with things in life where we're saying, where should I go? Holy Spirit brings a word of wisdom and he marks out the path for you. Holy Spirit wants you to have these gifts to a total church. The power gifts. The gift of faith is one of the power gifts. Here the Holy Spirit supernaturally gives ability for one to trust in God for supernatural solutions or results in certain situations in their lives or in someone else's life. We are all going through stuff that challenges our faith. It shakes our faith. And when you are weak in your faith, God will allow someone else to walk in the gift of faith so they come and inspire you to trust God once again. And in that moment, you're able to speak to a mountain, be moved, and that mountain is moved in Jesus' name. We all need faith, and the gift of faith is available to you as a believer in Jesus' name. The gift of healing is the supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit to bring about healing of disease. We are constantly surrounded by people, and we ourselves struggle with disease and illnesses. We lay our hands on the sick, and we say, be healed in Jesus' name. The gift of healing takes cover, and that person is healed in Jesus' name. The gift of miraculous powers. Holy Spirit gives a supernatural ability to manifest the extraordinary power of God in a situation. On one occasion, the disciples are in a boat. They're afraid they're about to drown. They say, Master, you're sleeping. Don't you care that we're about to die? He gets up and he says, be still. And the stone was still. Holy Spirit wants to release that power into your lives. Not for you but for what he wants to do. The vocal gifts. The vocal gifts are the gifts by which we express with our voice what God is doing in a moment, what God is doing in a season. The gift of tongues. The gift of tongues or languages is the supernatural ability to communicate a message from God in a language that a person speaking doesn't know to someone who understands what they're saying. So God gives you a word. For example, I don't speak Italian. But then in a moment, we may be here in worship, and then I begin to speak in Italian. Esta voce, mamma mia, or whatever it is that God wants me to say. And in that moment, I may not, and in fact, I don't understand 
Italian. The Bible says my mind is unfruitful. I don't understand it. But there is an Italian somewhere in the building and they're receiving a word from God. There is an Italian online and they say, God, I receive your word for me. God wants to do that in our lives. And the Bible says he wants the gospel to go into all the world. He releases in us the ability to speak languages we don't understand. The interpretation of tongues is one of the vocal gifts. This gift is a supernatural ability to understand and explain a message from God that is spoken by someone in an unknown language. And it always goes hand in hand with the gift of speaking in tongues. There will be moments where you're in a place of worship, prayer, corporately, and God is going to give someone a word in a heavenly language no human being on earth speaks. Remember, the king saw a finger show up on the wall and he began to write. In a language he didn't understand and none of his people could interpret. But the Spirit of God upon Daniel gave him interpretation. And he says, thus says the Lord. There will be moments God is going to give us a word from heaven. And in that moment, not only has he given us a word that is spoken in a heavenly tongue, there will be someone he's going to give in that very moment an interpretation. And you say, well, total church, this is God's word to you in Jesus' name. The gift of prophecy is one of the vocal gifts. It is the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit to give some people the ability to communicate a message from God to an individual, a group of people, a community, a church, a city, a nation, about something that God wants them to be aware of or act upon. God, who is all-knowing, perfectly in our past and yet perfectly in the future, downloads a picture of his preferred future and he communicates it to mankind through an individual. And that moment stands and that person says, listen, this is what God says. And they speak accurately what God is communicating. I tell you, these gifts are amazing. And they're for us in Jesus' name. He speaks a message from God and God communicates how we should align ourselves and get in line with his word. All these gifts are available. I want to camp here at prophecy a little bit because Paul camps at prophecy a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, let's go back. Verse 1 to 5, I'm going to be reading from the Amplified. Paul says, pursue this love because it's coming from a chapter on love. Says, pursue this love with eagerness, make it your goal, yet honestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts to be used by believers for the benefit of the church but especially that you may prophesy to foretell the future, to speak a new message from God to the people. For one who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to people but to God. For no one understands him or catches his meaning, but by the Spirit he speaks mysteries, secret truths, hidden things. But on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for edification, to promote their spiritual growth and speak words of encouragement to uphold and advise them concerning the matters of God and speaks words of consolation to compassionately comfort them. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church, promotes growth in spiritual wisdom, devotion, 
holiness, and joy. Now, I wish that all of you spoke in unknown tongues, but even more, I wish that you would prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater, not in status. But the one who prophesies is greater, in other words, they are more useful than the one who speaks in tongues. Unless he translates the one who speaks in tongues or explains what he says so that the church may be edified, instructed, improved, and strengthened. The purpose of prophecy. Why would God give a word of prophecy? One, for edification. In other words, to build up the hearers of that word. A word of prophecy comes to build us up in the Lord. To strengthen us in the Lord. Prophecy must draw us closer to God, not to the man of God. When we hear a word from God about the future that we can never download on our own, when God says, this is my preferred future for you, that word of God should bring us to our knees and say, God, I'm depending on you. Have your way in my life. If a word from God cannot produce that in you and instead it draws you to the man of God, that is not a word from God. Prophecy does not need a golden chair. Prophecy does not need a red carpet. Prophecy doesn't need its shoes to be kissed. Prophecy is a word from God, downloaded by the Holy Spirit, that produces humility in us because we are limited and he is limitless. We say, God, I am unable on my own. Show me which way to go. There are things we hear. They have the title prophet. They sound like prophecy. They look like prophecy. They behave like prophecy, but are a word from a demonic spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 4, Paul challenges them, test every prophecy. Because Satan masquerades as an angel of light. It is possible that because you've not allowed Holy Spirit to release the gift of the discerning of spirits in your life, you are seated under a demonic spirit every week without knowing it. And it leads you to bondage. And you know how you are bound? It is about the man and not about the God of all mankind. You begin to say, what a prophetic grace to our nation instead of what a God we serve. What a God we serve. If it cannot bring you to your knees, run far away from it. How do you know that prophecy is true? Because this is one of the most manipulated gifts in the church today. You must test it. Does it align with God's word? And it is unable, you are unable to know if it aligns with God's word if you don't know God's word. And one of the biggest challenges with this generation, we have access to information, but we're one of the most biblically literate generations. 
We have settled for notification here. We've settled for WhatsApp note here. We have settled for a devotional here. But we never get the Bible. Open it for our pages and read God's word. And that is why we are falling to the lies of demonic spirits in our city, calling them prophetic. How will you know the voice of God if you don't make time for him every day? Does it align with God's word? Why are you taking on the surname of a prophet when you have a husband? You kneel for the prophet, you cannot kneel for your husband. Never in worship have you gotten down on your knees and said, what a holy God you are. You kneel for the man of God. There is a problem, Watodo Church. Does it fulfill the purpose of promoting spiritual growth and inspiring hope in Christ? Does that word or prophecy point you to Christ or it points you to the man? He is my father. He covers me. Locate me, man of God. That is what we have come to. Have you become any more passionate about Jesus? Are you living a holy life? Are you living a life of love and service to others because of the prophecy you sit under? Do you wail over the sin of a city because of the word that you hear? Or do you call yourself the remnant? You think you're a chosen few? Let us be humble before God. What does a prediction of the Grammy Awards do in my relationship with God? How more passionate are you about Jesus because someone predicted your phone number? How more deeper are you in your relationship with Christ because you know who is going to win the Grammy Awards? An evil spirit can do that. In Acts chapter 16, there is a girl following Paul. They are the men of God, they are the men of God, they are the men of God, she said. Under the leading of the Holy Spirit, with the discerning of spirits, he knew something was wrong with her. He turned to her and called out an evil spirit. She was speaking something that was right under the influence of a demonic spirit. Thank you for telling me my phone number. That doesn't make me a better follower of Jesus. Moses shows up in the palace of Pharaoh, he throws down his stick, it becomes a snake. The magicians come, they throw down their snakes, then they become snakes. But the word of God will never return to him void. The snake that Moses created chewed up all the other snakes. And I tell you, when we get into God's word and allow Holy Spirit to lead us, God is going to do a work in us that's going to bring transformation to this city and nations. We must desire God. More than anything. And that's why Paul says it is good that we operate in the other gifts. In fact, it is good that we speak in tongues. 
But the thing about tongues, because you see, God is passionate about you having private moments with him. Do you know that? God wants you when you meet with him in his presence, speak in other tongues. Just let your heart go and just begin to praise God and begin to tell God about all these beautiful things about him. And you speak in, in, your, in a prayer language that is given you in that private moment of you and God. But you see, the thing about a private moment is that it's going to build you up. But a word of prophecy is greater, not because the gift is greater, but because it's going to build up the church. It builds up more people. And that is why Paul says, I desire that you may prophesy. You see, prophecy has two things about it. One, it has foretelling. Foretelling is about the future. God allows you to see the future as he sees it and you communicate it. That's part of it. But the other part of prophecy is this, foretelling which is a declaration of what is true according to God's word. When you stand in a public gathering like this and you say, by the stripes of the blood of Jesus we are healed, that is foretelling. All of us can prophesy. When you say God wants to turn around that difficult situation for your good and for his glory, that is foretelling. When you stand and say God desires that we live holy lives, that is foretelling. The goal of all of that is to encourage us. It is to console us, to comfort us. It is to strengthen us. Luke chapter 1 verse 26 to 28. Angel Gabriel shows up to Mary. He comes with a word from God. He does those three things. He brings a word from God. He encourages her. He says, you're highly favored. He says, you're highly favored. She's encouraged. He tells her, you're going to be with child. She's afraid. How can this happen? I've never been with a man. He comforts her. He says, the power of God will come over you. And you'll be with child. You're to call him Jesus. You'll be the son of God and save his people from their sin. To comfort her father, he says, listen, your cousin Elizabeth, who was known as the barren one, is now six months pregnant. For with God, nothing is impossible. <laughs> Prophecy must point you to who God is and what he can do not what the man of God can do. It's not about the man of God. It is about the God of all mankind. So now that we know what these gifts are, now that we know why these gifts are given, what does it mean for us? Two things real quickly. One, we must be orderly in corporate worship. We must be orderly. Verse 26 to 35 of 1 Corinthians 14. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Because God is doing something privately, don't think he's doing something corporately. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. 
For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. It's not a competition. And the spirits of the prophets, small s, that means your spirit, the spirit of a human being, the spirit of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. And I know, ladies, you've been waiting for this chapter for a very long time. So Paul starts by laying down the principle, we must do things in an orderly manner. Imagine you are here in the service and one person stands up with a word of knowledge, another one with a word of wisdom, another one with a prophecy, another one is singing a hymn, hey, praise the Lord, oh my soul, and then that confusion, and that confusion begins to happen in the church. Paul says, no, things must be done. In order. When you have a word of prophecy you want to bring to the church, you first come to the pastor. But this is a word from God, pastor. You're limiting me in the spirit. Calm down. There is order in the house. There is leadership in the house. You're gifted, but things must be done in order. When you begin to jump up and down in worship, running and making noise, someone's going to come and hold you and say, calm down. And if you insist... You're going to be lifted out with all the grace and love that we can find. There must be order in the house. But then he touches on a, a very sensitive issue concerning women. He says women are to be silent in the church and not to speak. And if they need to understand anything, they're to return home to their husbands to find clarity. What was Paul saying? Paul is addressing a cultural issue in that city. The culture of that community was a very patriarchal community. In other words, men were put first in a very strong way. And therefore, even when it came to matters of education, men were more educated than women. In fact, women were rarely educated, if any at all. Therefore, they wouldn't read. They don't understand the things that are being taught. So although a lady was full of the Spirit, you're teaching a principle from a Bible and she doesn't understand it. Paul says, you know what? Because there is order in the church, it is a picture of the order that is in the home. Let the lady return home where she's submissive to her husband and ask him. And the husband who is the head of that family and has understood the word of God will begin to instruct his wife and his children. And that's why it's important that men, you know the word of God. But today things have changed. Ladies are just as educated as men. And therefore women full of the Holy Spirit can understand God's word. Ladies can also operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit just as men can operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But just because you operate in the gift of prophecy does not mean you disrespect your husband. Full of the Spirit. Prophetess. Cook a meal at home. Serve your husband. Do the chores. Because you're a woman under authority. 
A woman not submitted to her husband is a chaotic woman and not a great witness of the gospel. But ladies, you are full of the Spirit and can operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Finally, he says, continuously desire these gifts. Now that you know, desire them. In verse 1, he says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. In verse 39 to 40, he says, so my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. In other words, do not for forbid the use of the gifts of the Spirit. But remember the big deal. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Use them in unity and use them to build up others. If the way you're exercising your gifts does not lead people into a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus, if the way you're exercising your gifts does not make you Christ-like and present Jesus to the world, let it go. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding us that these gifts are available to us. I pray that, Lord, we will be humble in the usage of these gifts because it's about you and not about us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're in this place. You say, Brian, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I've heard you speak and say that these gifts are only available to those who are born again. I want to be born again. I want my sin to be forgiven. I want to become a child of God. I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Whether you're here in person or you're joining us online, you say, Brian, that's me. I want to be born again. I want to live a spirit-empowered life. I want you to lift up your hand. I want you to lift up your hand. You say, Brian, that's me. I give my life to Jesus today because Jesus is all I need. I want him to forgive me and save me and change me. Wherever you are, lift up your hand because you're lifting it to Jesus. He's the only one that can save. Upstairs, downstairs, or in the overflow, lift up your hand. Give your heart to Jesus. Surrender your life to Jesus. You can't save yourself. Only Jesus saves. He washes away our sin. Give your heart to Jesus. Give your life to him. You may be joining us online as well. You say, Brian, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Right there in the comment section, type it. I give my heart to Jesus. Type it. I give my heart to Jesus. Lift up your hand. An emoji of a hand. Lift it up. Here in person, lift up your hand and say, Brian, I give my heart to Jesus. I give my heart to Jesus. Some of you are recommitting your life to Jesus. You're saying, Brian, I'd lost my way. I'm now in sin, but I don't like this life I'm living. I'm returning to Jesus. I want a brand new start with Jesus. You're recommitting your life as well. Lift up your hand. God loves you. He will never push you away. Thank you. Jesus sees that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus sees that hand. You're recommitting your life. You're coming back to Jesus. You had lost your way. You're coming back. Lift up your hand. Thank you. Jesus sees those hands. Is there anybody else online? You're recommitting your life to Jesus. Just type it there. I recommit my life to Jesus. I recommit my life to Jesus. Wow. Thank you for lifting up your hand. Will you pray this prayer after me and mean it from the bottom of your heart? Everyone praying as loud as you can to encourage those making this commitment. Everyone praying, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Jesus, you are the only savior. Today, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean in your precious blood. Give me a brand new life. Jesus, I now receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And from this day, I believe that I'm born again, that I'm a child of God. I will live for you 
and I'll follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, let everybody say amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope this encourages you to step into the new. Tune in next time as we delve into the Word of God. For comments and feedback or counseling, write to connect at watotochurch.com. Hey, hey,